From the Atonement Fargo Studios on South University Drive in Fargo, North Dakota, this is That Podcast. Hey, to contact the crew, submit your questions or comments, visit thatpodcast.net. Now, here's your host with That Podcast. Boy, we're really shaking it up. I didn't... I didn't remember you yeah. recording that. Keeping I, people on the toes. I'd like to do it again, and I want to read it like, and now, that podcast. Just really monotone. Just real, yeah. I think you should. I, I think, think we, I should, I too. think we should do that. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of That Podcast. Today, we've got some fun and shenanigans going on because we are welcoming back Pastor Paul Cross. There you are. Whatever that was. <laughs> Apart from being lame, I guess. Yeah, that was, let's, let's try this one instead. There we go. There it is. I didn't even look at the first button. I just pushed the button. Just push the button. Yep. Even if it's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, Paul, welcome back. It's good to be here. Yeah. We're, sure. we're glad to have you. We needed somebody. It's nice being had. Mm-hmm. We needed somebody who was uh, an authority on the subject matter today. Well, then you got the wrong me. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you outranked the rest of us. So. Yeah, well, well, there you go. <laughs> Credibility <laughs> is in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I suppose. I, I suppose. There you have it. Uh, so we had... Uh, um, how's everybody doing, by the way? I, I, I feel like I'm getting right into yeah. it again this week. There's no pre shenanigans. Are no. you feeling okay? I don't. It is earlier in the afternoon than we usually well, record. We can, yeah. we, we can talk about two things uh-huh. uh, to pre shenanigans. Number one, uh, we can talk about the um, uh, the Michael Jordan, uh, Denny Hamlin uh, merger. That could be something we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, people out there would know about it. These uh, fine folks in sitting in front of us probably don't think we're speaking in tongues. Yeah, they'd probably go get a glass of water while we wait. <laughs> or, or something. It'd go get get a root canal, anything. Uh, uh, I'm or, just going to watch Well, if you're going to on YouTube, the new YouTube thing today that just hit today is the uh, uh, Uber Eats uh, commercial oh. of Mark Hamill and Sir Patrick Stewart, the Star Wars versus Star Trek wow. geekdom uh, face-off. And it is nothing... Sh- the, I think there are like three or four of them, and they're nothing short of fantastic. They are... As we say in the church business, altogether meet, right, and salutary. Oh, wonderful. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> oh, they, they are above average. There's no question about that. Uh, that. We could talk about those two subjects. Those would be two fine subjects. They are. Talking. They would be two fine subjects. What are, and current. And it's current <laughs> events. And current events. Yeah. Uh, you know, up, up on the bleeding edge. <laughs> the bleeding edge of what's going on. That just shows you just, you know. Well, either what a sad life I lead. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I I found it interesting. I it, I didn't find the Denny Hamlin piece interesting. Yeah, because I mean he's a race car driver, yeah. so eventually these guys get into that sort of thing. But yep. I found the Michael Jordan piece of that partnership very curious. Yeah, well, uh, let's 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 look at this. Number one, he is from North Carolina. Uh, and mm-hmm. grew up in North Carolina, and by his own admission, his parents took him to stock car races uh, when he was young. Mm-hmm. So, and he is from the part of North Carolina where, uh, well, <laughs> is there a part of North Carolina that's not into stock car racing? I, think <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, think, I think that's a requirement. If you become a citizen in the great state it, of North it, Carolina, it, you get uh, uh, 
taken right to the raceway. Yeah, well, and, and there are numerous ones. The other interesting thing about it, he's, he is not the first basketball player from North mm-hmm. Carolina to be a, a, at least a part team owner. Uh, Brad Doherty, uh, mm-hmm. a part of JTG, JTG Doherty, is also a uh, former basketball player, professional, yes. and, uh, and, a, uh, and a NASCAR uh, stock car team mm-hmm. owner as well. Uh, I think we've got them put to, uh, almost chloroformed in here. I think DJ and, and Sarah are pretty much out now. <laughs> yeah. Well, my only question in all of this is, Sure, it might be a great partnership, but is it going to win gold in the 92 Olympics? The 92 <laughs> Olympics. Well, you know, that's a, there, there is that, absolutely. But how do you know that there was, how do you know that there was even a 92 you, Olympics? You I'm could, an Olympic it, super fan. The, <laughs> the original dream team, <laughs> yes. 92 Olympics. I, I, I think that it may well be all sort of, you know, like the, like the lunar landing. It might have been mm-hmm. staged. You don't Ooh. know. You know, we're, we're, we're in a studio now, you know, yeah. so what, what, how do you know the what I'm going to rendition? There, there's a chartreuse screen behind. We got chartreuse Sarah and uh, uh, we, absolutely we do. You know what I really find interesting about NASCAR and, and maybe, maybe it's just me, but I think there's a large segment of our country that have no idea that the most popular sport in our country is NASCAR. Yes, mm-hmm. that's true. Yeah. They, don't, they don't, they're unaware of it They're And if you've never seen a speedway, they are huge i mean it's what i imagine the coliseum of old was was like i mean it's not so we yeah man well especially like uh uh bristol motor speedway is in a in a bowl pretty much half mile track and, and, and seats one hundred and seventy five thousand. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah half mile track that that's impressive that, that, getting, getting them in there like that is like laying in cordwood that is the only track i've ever been to is michigan international and uh that one is in the middle of nowhere Mm-hmm. Just a huge track. It would be like uh, from Fargo, say, yeah. going to say Kindred, and you drive up, and there's just a ginormous track the in the Irish middle of hills. Hill. Yes, yeah. yeah. I could bore you to tears with the tax tracks I've been to. I have been to a couple, <laughs> just to say that at least. But I'll, I'll, I'll forego that. Okay. Uh, I'm capable of boring people to tears. <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly, as I said, I, 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 I've had that effect on people. Yeah. So, well, so, so where, where is that partnership going? Mike, where's Michael that partnership Jordan? going? Well, you know, uh, 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 other than around in circles, well, around in turning circles, left, turning left. Um, my, my, my guess is that, um, this is going to be kind of a funny one because I, I had a theory about this that the, uh, that Joe Gibbs Racing's success is is that they eliminated all the other Toyota teams and so that Toyota Racing Development, which by the way was just down the street of, from Pastor DJ's former church, yes it was very close. Uh, it probably might have been on Church Road for all I know, or real close. Uh, <laughs> Cat a corner. Yeah. Uh, yes. There you go. Uh, but uh, in most places in the world, they'd say adjacent, but in in North. Carolina, they'd say catty corner. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> sorry, folks. I'm from Virginia here. He is. God did not make the sky Carolina blue. Sorry. Um, uh, in, in any case. Uh, uh, but, Made but, it orange and blue. Have you yeah. ever seen a nice sunset? No, 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 no. Orange and blue. Oh, oh you're Cavaliers fan. Virginia Cavaliers. <laughs> That's what I hear you saying. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, uh, the uh, uh, where is it going? Uh, uh Denny Hamlin's a very good driver, uh, uh, but J- uh, Joe Gibbs Racing has absorbed all the other Toyota teams and gets all the TRD money, or at least so I think. That's just my opinion. This is an opinion show, isn't it? it yeah. Uh, sure. it, it appears that way, <laughs> and it also appears that uh, they seem to be pretty good. Uh, uh, they dominate uh, yeah. in such a way that uh, uh, it seems to be a winning formula. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so the expansion of, and presumably this will be a Toyota team, uh, uh, but when you have that kind of uh, uh, name recognition, my guess is is that they're going to do pretty well for themselves. Bubba Wallace is, is a journeyman driver. I, I believe he is exceedingly talented. Um, we have seen that in uh, in what you would call uh, C plus equipment. Uh, I, I don't mean to denigrate the the the, the uh, memory of the king, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is based at, at best C plus equipment, and uh, Bub has done very well with it. Uh, and uh, uh, Michael Jordan just has access to all manner of marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. which is what it's all about now is, is mm-hmm. it's about uh, marketing and merchandising and uh, uh, he has access to a lot of it. So uh, I suspect that they will be quite successful actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, there's a lot on the line. And um, I think that uh, the, the people, the, the principles that are involved that are public and there's also principles that are involved that are private, mm-hmm. uh, I would suspect have got a lot at stake to make sure this goes well. Yeah. So my, my, my money is, is that they're going to do real, real well. Yeah. Uh, that, but, but what do I know about, you know, I've only been following it since the 1965 Daytona 500. So, <laughs> well, uh, so the, the Michael, that Jordan, was before 1995, yeah, by the way, just to let you know that. that was before, <laughs> well, yeah. About midway through, I took yeah. a little nap. So yeah. I'm back now. <laughs> okay. Sarah doesn't believe that it even existed. It was so long ago. Yeah, exactly. But this that's almost like ancient as lo- history. Almost as long ago as the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. How's that for a segue? Well, see, this, I was going to make that joke, Paul, of no matter what, you probably have a firsthand account of our topic today. I, th- th- Pretty wow. close. Wow. Or, or as they say in Jurassic Park, clever girl. <laughs> He's the only person I know who has his Bible signed by the author. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you know, got to be famous for something. Pa- Pastor Jurassic Paul Cross is here with us today. And that's what we're going to talk about. Well, Sarah, I'll let you introduce this because uh, the, the, the question came to you. Yes. So one of our... Listeners, mm-hmm. Sarah, not me. With Sarah with Sarah, no H. Yep, Sarah. Uh, a little short. I'm trying to. I'm trying to differentiate without you know leaking last names. But she came up to me and had a great topic. She had just a question. I was like, No, this is going to be a good episode. This has to be a full episode. What about unicorns and the Bible? What about Ooh. unicorns in the Bible? And then that segued in my mind to well, there's a whole matter of things. Jurassic Paul, dinosaurs sure, in the Bible, unicorns in the Bible, all sorts, jackalopes of... in the Bible. Well, let's <laughs> let's 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 dispense with. Let, actually, the first question is actually a great question because it it uh, uh, the word unicorn uh, is indeed in the original King James Bible. That means one horn. If you look at the Hebrew, there likely what they were referencing uh, is a thing called an auric, uh, mm-hmm. a u r. Uh, C O H Auric, which uh, is an extinct uh, 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 feral bovine. Um, not feral isn't the right word. Uh, wild bovine, I guess, would be the way to s- describe it. Uh, uh, a, a cow. Well, calling it a cow would be, you know, uh, insult to the to, to the Auric. Uh, uh, it, it's a big animal. You know, almost as tall as a human at the shoulder, and um, they lived in the wild. Up until the 17th century in Europe, but at one time they were predominant throughout Eurasia. And uh, the, the thing is this, is that um, this is a problem of, I hate 
getting like this, but it's a problem of lexicography. And how do you translate certain terms from one language to the next? And uh, over time, you get better information to understand what's being talked about there. And uh, so that is certainly a possibility. But there is another possibility. Uh, another possibility is this, is that we do know of um, uh, prehistoric megafauna, uh, particularly from the mammalian period, that um, uh, certainly had pronounced horns and a single horn, uh, like a rhinoceros of sorts, only very woolly and a very pronounced sort of horn. Uh, the question is, uh, is this a function of a linguistic mistake or a – rather than mistake, let me just say a misunderstanding. That's a better mm -hmm. word. Mm -hmm. um, a linguistic misunderstanding. Or is it something else? Is it something very primitive, uh, uh, exceedingly primitive memory – uh, a collective memory of humanity uh, that goes back to a time long before uh, we understand. And uh, that's why I'm particularly interested, in, and I hardly call myself an expert. I would say that I am a, a novice uh, uh, when it comes to this, but I'm highly interested in uh, both anthropology, uh, well, more specifically, that's about paleoanthropology, uh, old, old, old times of people. And uh, also, I, I, you know, as a, as a kid, I loved dinos and I loved paleontology. My brother is probably the guy you want here to be talking. He's, he's, the, he's the paleontologist in the family. He, he actually has a, a degree, or two of them, in, in, in geology. So he actually knows what he's talking about, as opposed to me. I'm just sort of a dilettante when it comes to this sort of stuff. And, and, uh, it, it, well, uh, you, uh, so you've done a, a a class two i think twice, twice now. you did uh here at uh, least twice yeah. here yeah uh, jurassic paul it was it yep. was called and um th this is sort of my my son's claim to fame around yeah. here yes is, is uh i don't know that he believes even after attending your class i think both times yes i don't know if he still believes that dinosaurs existed he just will mm. tell me dinosaur it's not in the bible so they can't be real. It's not in the Bible. Well, you know, <laughs> but I like your cat. Uh, uh, Cats are not in the Bible either, uh, which is, of course, <laughs> and again, you know, they're exceedingly real. Uh, I just found out this morning that why cats need, you know, make, make, there, there's no scientific term for, you know, when they go like that with their fingers, they, uh -huh. but they're, they're, it's sort of bonding. It's kind of a cute little article, of course, with a kitten that was adorable. Uh, can we tell a joke right here that some people will find offensive? I don't know why we couldn't. A, 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 a two dogs, a, a German Shepherd, a Doberman Pinscher, and a cat uh, uh, get to heaven. And uh, they say, uh, and so they're being interrogated by God and asks, uh, uh, well, uh, 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 what do you believe, God asked and said. Well, the Doberman says, you know, I believe that I need to fiercely protect my master, and I uh, uh, just, I, I have to do that, so I have a ferocious attitude, but I believe in fiercely protecting my master. He says, go, go on, and that, that's good, a good trait. And they ask the journey, Sarah, what do you believe? He says, uh, I, I believe that I'm a, a loyal, loyal dog, and just an absolute servant to, to, to my master, I, and I just love the whole attitude of servanthood's great. And the and you go. Uh, so uh, next question is the cat. What do you believe? Cat says, I believe you're sitting in my seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, funny sure. because it's true. Yeah. They're not nice people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the well, old saying? But, cats are, but maybe that's why cats aren't mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs>
What's the old saying? Dogs have masters and cats have an entourage? Yeah, or oh, staff. Oh. Yeah, one of the others. Or yeah, staff. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, oh, yeah, what, what, what do you want to, where, where do you want to start? I mean, di- dinosaurs, the Bible, is that what you kind of want to deal with? Man, well, there's all manner of mythical creatures. When you look through the Bible, there's so many different things, and I, I feel like it starts right away. Yeah, well, let, let's, let's go to the right away part, because that's probably where most of the challenges come from. Let me first say this, and this is, I, I know I'm going to get a lot of blowback from some uh, Christians on this, uh, but Christians have painted themselves. The into opinions it. of Pastor Paul are not expressing. <laughs> or Atonement Lutheran yeah, Church. You have to do the, like, the tweet like, all opinions expressed are my own and not affiliated no. with my employer. Uh, no, I, I think that, that Christians uh, uh, quite some centuries ago have painted themselves into a corner, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't need to, but they did. Uh, and that has to do with the whole idea of how old is the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a question that has been long asked. Uh, it's certainly uh, what was here before us. It's a, it's a question common to humanity. It is a question that the Bible does address. I mean, the, uh, there are kind of two perspectives, that, that uh, either that uh, uh, the universe is eternal and God was created, or that God is eternal and the universe was created. Take your pick. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Bible makes a pretty clear case for the, uh, the, the, the other one, which, interestingly enough, if you take a look at uh, some of the things that uh, uh, modern astrophysics indicates, that there was a, a, a point of creation mm-hmm. uh, and so forth. I mean, you know, no one was around to f- sort of figure this out, but, I mean, uh, the, the best-case uh, scenario today seems to argue for that. Uh, as to how long ago that was, well, you know, we could talk about that. You know, as I said, I don't, I don't think any one particular side has all the answers on this. But the sad part is, is that they're sides. People have drawn mm-hmm. up sides. It makes it very difficult to, to deal with. Can we, can we slow down a second? Because you said something very profound, and I just want to reiterate it. Yeah. There really, and you're right, there really is only two worldviews as far as existence is concerned. Either... God is eternal and the universe was created or the universe is eternal or in a constant loop yeah. of expanding and contracting. And then God was created in, in such that uh, God is an idea Correct. rather than, I, I just, I just, the way you said it was, was quick and, and smooth, but I just thought it was really profound. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. I, I said, but it's a true, it's not original with me. As I said, this is a, this is an old concept. And again, a lot of people miss this. Um, but uh, let, let's start with the presupposition that the universe is created. Uh, I think that that's a... Uh, that's the argument of the Bible. That's, well, it's the argument of a lot of things, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. As I said, it's the argument of astrophysicists today. Yep. I would say that, that not all of them. Uh, you can't just lump them together and say, this is what they believe. I think that's kind of grossly unfair and, and certainly inaccurate. But um, uh, the, the painting of themselves in, in has to do with, it kind of takes place on several little key uh, questions. Uh, uh, one has to do with uh, 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 the whole idea of astronomy and, and seeing wh- how the world works and, and uh, sort of what you might call a pre-scientific worldview of astronomy. Mm-hmm. And then all the issues that the church got involved with, again, drawing a line in the sand saying, you know, the, everything revolves around the earth and this is how it works when it's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, excuse me. Um, excuse me. I need, I need a burp button. Not, not, a, <laughs> not a sneeze button. I need a burp button. DJ has one. That's, that's, the, that's the one. 
The challenge is, of course, well, the, you know. I won't push the other button. The, the, if the sound. SMC uh, hears this, I, I will be in trouble. There's no <laughs> question about that. I'll be toast for, for, um, uh, for doing that. But nevertheless, uh, the, uh, 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 that's one of the, the places that the Christians and the church painted themselves in a corner. Uh, another place has to do with a guy by the name of Archbishop Usher. And uh, he, uh, in the, I believe it's the 17th century, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around there, uh, uh, he uh, sort of extrapolated using uh, the, the generations stated in Genesis and other things. And people have done this before. He's not, it's not original to him, but he's kind of the guy that, that popular. It's sort of like uh, the car. Uh, it's not original to Henry Ford, but he's the guy that figured out how to do this in a way that was popular for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the assembly line, again, not original to him, but he figured out a way to do this and in in, to make money and, and, to, and to popularize it. Usher is not the first guy to suggest that the earth was uh, founded at 4004 B.C on October 23rd at 10 o'clock in the morning or whatever he said it was. The problem is, is that people started putting his dating system in the margin of the Bible in the center column where we typically will see uh, uh, cross-references. He started putting it in there. Uh, now, it doesn't say that. Uh, let me just simply say, what it does say is this. Particularly in Genesis chapter 5 and in Genesis chapters 10 and 11, we have what are called the superannuate, the list of the superannuated, which is some tough stuff to get your head around. And, and again, I don't necessarily claim to have the right answer on it, except what I think it's being said is this. From a pre-scientific worldview, in the worldview of the ancient Hebrew people, how do you express the idea of a really long time mm-hmm. ago? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is trying to be said here. Uh, you have... 10 generations before Noah mm-hmm. and 10 generations after Noah. Mm-hmm. And um, again, uh, we, can, we can discuss this in, at great length, but we could say, and this is kind of my perspective on it, that what the Bible is saying is a really long time ago, something terribly catastrophic happened to the world. Right. The world as we know it, and, and there are ample ample evidences of all kinds of catastrophic things that have happened in antiquity. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that we can point to where something catastrophic happened. But basically in that collective consciousness, some of the, the, the scriptures are saying a long time ago, before the time of Abraham, which is a time that we can sort of, we can you know, draw our line in the sand. We can yeah. point to Abraham. We can say, you know, Abraham has what I like to say, the stink of history about him. Right. He smells <laughs> like somebody who comes from the beginning of the, or the end of the third millennium uh, in, in that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he really does. I mean, he's, he's, he's got, he just has that sort of, whatever it is that just has authenticity about who he is. Uh, uh, but prior to that, eh, some other discussions. But a long time ago, something terrible happened. Mm-hmm. And then a long time before that, the world was a very different place. Mm-hmm. And both yeah. of those things are fairly accurate to say, that uh, the world was a very different place. Now, how do we know that? Again, is this, you know, I don't know, I'm speculating here, and I, people can think I'm, I'm uh, whatever, but I, I happen to feel that 
that uh, there is a collective human consciousness that passes down from culture to culture, generation to generation, that shares these things. I mean, you can take a look throughout the the uh, anthropological record and see all sorts of discussions about a, uh, some sort of catastrophic flood in all sorts of disparate places yeah. that have uh, lots of commonality to it that uh, really don't have any other uh, uh, reason well, for explanation is other than the fact that maybe this happened. Oh, and, and not just... Um, ancient mythologies and civilizations, but across the world. Oh, it's yeah. not just located to one, no, exactly. one yeah. location in the world. Great stuff on that. Is it? But again, so there's that. Um, so before we get into the animals, I want to ask you a question yeah, about, sure. like, I, I am one who, if the world was created in six literal, literal days, that's no hair off my head. Yeah. But I think just based on what you said and looking at the Hebrew and looking yeah. at, like, the lineage of names... And what they actually mean, as well as as the the first creation story. Yes, it's it's it comes off so poetic in the Hebrew. Yes, um, the word yom. Yom. I always I, I've taken it for me that mm-hmm. it it can mean one literal day, but it also can mean a season, like like mm-hmm. an age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like the first age, the second age, the third age, because for me it's it. It speaks the truth of creation without having to be like a, a scientific textbook. Yes, yeah. yes. Because it's not trying to be that. That's correct. Right. Well, so, uh, something, and before we get into the, the animals, something that you said, Paul, a long time ago to me that mm-hmm. completely blew my brain apart. Oh, dear. Was we, we had. <laughs> We're this, still cleaning up the pieces. Yeah. And, and, the, yeah. and the Fargo police didn't come. No. <laughs> no. They. Because it was done in forehead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jurisdictions. We, yeah. we had this conversation, and you said something to me. You said, uh, "Could could the Earth uh, be six thousand years old? Sure, it could be. Yes, it, w- with uh, an all powerful God who we believe in. Correct. Uh, it, it it definitely could have been made six thousand years ago and put together the way that it was, but." You could have also been created yesterday, and all the memories that you have right now were planted in your brain then. Yes. It just seems more likely that the earth was created a very long time ago. That is correct. That just blew me away at that time, and I never forgot it. Yeah, and again, the idea is, if you you know, why worship a God that couldn't create the world in six days? Mm-hmm. And, you know, why, why would you do that? I mean, I wasn't there at the time, but people need to understand that, and there's another thing with regard to these the sort of things, is that, that, you know, sometimes people come up with discussions. I'm not advocating these these perspectives, but, you know, uh, the, the one discussion is, is that if it was created with the appearance of age, but it really was created yesterday or whenever, mm-hmm. well, then what does that say about God? Um, if it was created, I mean, is God trying to deceive us in thinking that it's old? Again, I'm not advocating that position, but there are skeptics who do, and mm-hmm. so it's important for us to keep uh, that in mind when we uh, uh, discuss these things because, um, uh, well, let's just be honest, as I said. They uh, they can... Uh, uh, this nobody was there, right? <laughs> right. So uh, that's a big part of it. But but the age of the Earth has a huge part to do with all this, and and part of this, the whole dinosaur question, mm-hmm. is is a pretty significant one. There are some interesting things about that, though. But uh, I I um, the 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 real problem started right about the time of the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, getting back to this, there was a guy by the name of John Agricola. Uh, who lived uh, at roughly at the exact same time as Martin Luther. Uh, uh, he was a Catholic, 
and a quite a devout Catholic, uh, but he's considered to be the uh, father of geology. Uh, and uh, uh, Germans were pretty well known for their mining technologies and so forth. And, and uh, one of the things you do when you dig in the earth is all kinds of crazy stuff comes up. And uh, one of the things that happens is, is that you come up with these, uh, these uh, bones that just don't fit anything that uh, is known to anybody's time. And so you've got to wrap your head around that, and it takes, you some, takes some time to think these things through. Now, uh, we live in an age where the information float is uh, quite brief, as I said. We, uh, if something terrible were to happen in uh, who knows where, pick a place. Sarah, pick a place. Timbuktu. Timbuktu. <laughs> you know, we would, we would know about it fairly soon if something truly catastrophic happened there. It would take only a matter of moments for us to find that out. Uh, not so back then. It would, uh, the information float was months and years sometimes, and uh, the kind of sharing of information wasn't available. And so, uh, you know, what do, what do we do about these things that we're digging out of the ground? Uh, uh, well, uh, you know, they, could, uh, they were variously described as things called sui generis. I love that, sui generis. That's pigs who kick out lawsuits. Uh, uh, no, or, or no, f- philanthropic pigs. That's, no, it's philanthropic pigs. That's sui generis, yes. Um, the philanthropic pigs. Uh, actually, stuff that just comes up, pops up by itself. Uh, uh, also, that there were... Uh, uh, Did you coin that word? Have you yeah. trademarked copyright? Uh, just the stupid part of it. But, uh, no, uh, uh, no it, it, it's, uh, sui generis is actually a, a, real, a real Latin <laughs> phrase. Don't worry, Paul. It's now forever marked on that podcast. That's right. <laughs> just, just the stupid part I came Trademark, up with. copyright, Paul Cross. Yep. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> the philanthropic pigs, yes. Um, well, that's like pseudopigrapher for the writing of false pigs. Yes, uh, yes. I got this pig thing. I like pork chops. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, <laughs> but um, there are uh, 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 a number of sort of things that they thought, well, you know, what is this stuff? And they were just sort of say, you know, just sort of... Uh, uh, so what's the word I'm looking for? There is a Latin phrase for this too, but uh, uh, but just sort of fancies of nature that just sort of just sort of happened. Mm-hmm. And they had all kinds of explanations to what this was because they couldn't really explain seeing this for what it is. Right. And so, but again, interestingly enough, this guy, uh, he lived maybe 100 miles from where Luther lived too. And it was right about the same time. Uh, you take a look at, Luther's understand. I'm sorry. I'm looking right at you, Jesus. I know just, you are. Just I poking hose and holes in your hero. I, I, I'm the uh, oracle of Luther, apparently. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, his, uh, aren't you his nephew? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, maybe so. But I, I think you know one one of the challenges is that uh, he's a great theologian, uh, but a horrible scientist. Mm-hmm. I mean, his uh, you read his Genesis commentaries, and you just kind of scratch your head and say, "Oh my!" Uh, you know, he he wrote a lot on the book of Genesis, but uh, uh, it's just like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not baptizing that there, uh, Marty. I can't, can't get into that. So in, in any case... Um, well, uh, and full disclosure, I love uh, the Genesis commentaries of Luther. And part of the reason I love them is because he sets up this whole 
narrative about the prehistory that I just find fascinating. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with sure. it. He uses the word sui generis there. I want you to know that. It, it's sui generis. <laughs> it's not a word. It's two words. It's a phrase. Uh, so, yes, he talks about sui generis, things that, that the flies are sui generis. They just yeah. sort of pop up out of yeah. dung, yeah. although he doesn't use the word dung. But I also love... I also the love button there, ready, Sarah. I also love I, Greek and I Roman mythology Ryan. and Norse. I, I love the, the stories of cosmology, and Luther dabbles in that yeah. in Genesis... Mm-hmm. Commentaries one and two, before he gets into uh, the time of uh, of the patriarchs. Yeah, well, so, he's, anyway. he as I said, he was a man of his time for many ways. You know, he's got his his virulent anti-Semitism and so mm-hmm. forth. Obviously, a man of his time as well. There, sadly, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, uh, but be that as it may, that, that uh, uh, stuff starts coming up, and so over time, people start wondering, well, what's going on here? And again, I've always said, already said. Uh, the church has painted itself in a corner a couple of times already and continues to do so uh, to paint themselves in a corner instead of trying to say, hmm, what's actually being said here? Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting for me is, is the church isn't the only group of people who have painted themselves in a corner. As I said, I'm interested in, in paleoanthropology, always have been, uh, uh, always, but you know, since I've started school and so forth and found about dinosaurs and cavemen and so forth. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, what I find fascinating is, is how much backtracking paleoanthropologists have had to do in my lifetime mm-hmm. because of the discoveries that have come up about ancient humans mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to just how old humanity is. Right. So I, f- I find that fascinating uh, to see just how much backtrack. This is why I'm talking about this business, about this, this one horn. I mean, you know, on the one hand, yeah, it could be, uh, uh, simply talking about an auric, and it's just a misunderstanding uh, le- from from a, a philological or lexico- lexicological perspective, or it could be something that's deep in humanity's uh, psyche and that, that's sort of back there in the in the collective human consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but having said that, this is where things get a little funny. Real quickly, Paul. Yeah, sure. Can you give us an example of what? Because what I hear you saying is the zeitgeist of the time. That doesn't translate as well coming down. Um, can you think of an example that would that would help us to understand what the collective human consciousness? Well, I, again, the example of the flood would be one thing. Okay. You know, um, uh, let's talk about that just for a quick second. As I said, you know, obviously you see it in in uh, Meso, uh, well, you know, Mesopotamia and, and other places, but you know, even in North America. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of places in Polynesia. You know, why, why would you have a flood myth in Polynesia? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. from a from a, a, a ideological perspective. Not ideological, ideological, but ideal. You know, yeah. ideology is a, 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 a attempt to explain why things are the way they are. I mean, there there are a lot of these things. For example, why are there two genders? I mean. Sorry, folks, but uh, you know it seems to be that way. I mean, it seems that's how they come when you're born. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, why are they that? I mean, and, and so there are lots of attempts to to explain that. I mean, all kinds of attempts. Uh, uh, so the Bible has theirs. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, why is there a sun and a moon and the stars? I mean, and so that they try to explain that, and that so right. all all kinds of cultures have those those sort of things. Uh, uh, why is there sin in the world? Yeah. Uh, why is there animosity towards each other? And cultures have these uh, attempts to ex- explain these things. As you were talking about it, it got me thinking about etymology and how words that have 
an original meaning over time take on new meaning. And later on in time, we don't understand the original meaning yeah. because it's take like, like this phrase that I, I find just fascinating. Have you ever said by Jove? No, no, I have. Thank you. I guess I'm older than it, like Bon Jovi. It, no, 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 it's an it's an it's, <laughs> it's an old way of of saying like by golly or something like by that. By George. Well, and that that comes off of it too, but mm-hmm. it it goes back to Jove, and Jove is a way of saying Jupiter. Yep. And mm-hmm. Jupiter was the sky god of the Romans, who was the Roman equivalent of the Greek god Zeus. When you go all the way back in the language, past Greek, back into, uh, there's usually a Sanskrit derivative and a Sumerian derivative, all the way back to Akkadian, Mm -hmm. the word Zeus originally just meant the sky. Hmm. But it took on all this other intent as, as we hear in like the book of Romans, humanity turned away from the creator and began to worship the creation. And so when you were talking about that, that's what I was thinking about. Is that is that what you? Well, kind of. But but let me let me get to the thing. Uh, there's an explanation of a lot of stuff. I mean, we observe a lot of things, mm-hmm. but there are a couple things that we don't observe. I mean, we observe that people are rotten to each other. Mm-hmm. We observe the difference between you know men and women. We observe the difference of the skies and so forth. We observe those things. But what out there? shows seven days. I understand what a day is. There's a sidereal, or sorry, not sidereal, a celestial event that describes that. I understand what a month is because there's another celestial event that indicates that. I understand what a season is because there's another celestial event that indicates that. And I understand what a year is. But what event do you see that indicates seven days? And yet, this cycle of seven is somehow ingrained in humanity in mm. terms of idea of Sabbath and so forth. So that's one thing. Interesting. The other thing is this, is that um, it goes back to this business of this catastrophic destruction. I don't see anything out there, unless I do some serious digging, that's indicative of this catastrophic discussion, destruction. Mm-hmm. And so why is there such discussion about it? And why do we have wallpaper in our baby's <laughs> nurseries <laughs> that have Noah's Ark for crying out? Right. But, um, but what, that's a matter of collective consciousness. That's sure. what I mean. There's something about that account that resonates with who we are. Why do we have toys that I, in my basement? I have a box for my granddaughter that when she comes over to play, when she comes over to play, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it's a Playmobil Noah's Ark, and I went and got every conceivable set of Playmobil animals you could conceive of. Yeah. Why do we do that? Yeah. That's, again, that collective concept. That's interesting. But, but get back into the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, the reality is, is nobody has a market on the absolute, this is how it happened with regard to... Um, uh, the scientific perspective, because that's getting changed all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do find fascinating is is that the account of the order of creation in Genesis chapter 1 looks remarkably similar in terms of how things would have played out mm-hmm. as how people have said that. So again, yep. uh, 
run me out of town on a rail, whatever. Uh, uh, but let's get to this. Just saying. Thing. Yeah. Just uh, saying. Um, uh, let's, 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 let's get to the other stuff. You want to talk about, what, 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 is, what does your son want to talk about? Well, the dinosaurs, dinosaurs, dinosaurs in the, the Bible. huge thing. Okay, but, but yeah, yeah, there's there's all kinds of, of of things. When you really start digging into it, it's it's wild. All the different sort of creatures that if fire breathing, uh, Job. Uh, yeah, well, well, let's get to Job. Let let's let's go right to Job because that's where we want to get to. Because that sounds more like a dragon yep. than a dinosaur to me. Well, let let's talk about this. Uh, too bad this is not a video, a vlog. <laughs> Paul knows all the hip terms. Yeah. yeah, from 1998 or whatever. No, they didn't have vlogs no. back then. No, no. What it's do I? Former early 2000s. Okay, early. But I, I would show you this like very two decades ago. This very spiffy <laughs> cylinder. I, I got to show you guys this. Look at that really cool cylinder. Oh, look, look at that's that! Fantastic. Yes, it has. So, uh, would you mind describing that to, in any kind of detail? So we're looking at two animals. Two animals. Uh, four. Well, the one is four-legged for sure. I'm yeah. assuming the other is four-legged sure. as well. Yeah. And they've got they've they've got uh, super long necks that it's are like a giraffe like a snake's neck. mixed with a snake mixed with a, a cougar. No, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's funny you should say the word giraffe. Do giraffes have noticeably extended tails. No, that's where the not. cat comes in. Yeah, well, this is a noticeably extended tail. Uh, if you ask me, uh, that looks suspiciously, with the proportions being pretty precise even, and the, the, the necks are ridiculously long. Mm-hmm. And, wrapped, tails, and wrapped around one another. Yeah, they're, they're, like they're, they're getting in, ready to smooch on one another, absolutely. Or battle. Or battle. Or battle. Giraffes fight. Yeah. Uh, no, they, they, they look smoochy, if you ask me. Uh, but this is a cylinder and uh, uh, with long tails on it, uh, but the proportions look uh, virtually identical to any kind of sauropod that you've ever seen. Now, the question I have to ask you is this. Uh, well, first of all, one of the pieces of information, somewhere between 4100 B.C. and 3000 B.C., this cylinder came out of Mesopotamia. Uh, it's in the Louvre uh, in France. Uh, so if you want to see it, I guess that's where you'd have to go see it. What is this thing called? For It's for... called a Mesopotamian cylinder seal. Okay. Uh, it, you would take this and roll it. Uh, and uh, uh, this is not spoken of quite a bit because it does present sort of kind of questions. Uh, what on earth is this thing that they're representing? Is it a mythical beast? That's certainly an option. I'm not going to say that it's not. I don't want to paint myself into a corner. But it is curious that it does have these very really uh, sauropod-style proportions. And I'll just call them proportions. Yes, the head does look very cougar-esque. There's no question about that. Uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, the, the body does not look very giraffe-like because giraffes have a a body that's angled upward, and this is flat, and so again, looking very sauropod-like. But again, who would have known what to look for back then? I mean, nobody would have known that. So I guess I just throw that out there. There are a couple other things like this that you'll find from place to place. There's one, um, I think it's in uh, Indochina. Can I say Indochina? I guess I can. I guess you just did. I, just I think did. you did. Yeah, uh, uh, Southeast Asia. Excuse it's, me. It, it, I think yeah. it's Indonesia nowadays. No, no, no. Indochina. We're Southeast Asia. We're talking, oh, okay. We're talking uh, uh, Thailand. What used to be called Siam, Vietnam, Laos. That's okay. all Indochina. But I go. That's I, I. You know, I'm sorry. I learned these things when I shouldn't have. I suppose. You know, and they've, I've been chastised severely for saying things which are not politically correct and so forth. Do you call Russia the USSR? 
Um, I don't speak about them to you. Okay. (laughs) That's not true. They Uh, who shall not be named. You know what? Hey, just as a side, they thought I was a very important individual. I'm going to tell you, I was so important to them. Here, this is the truth. Uh, er, Growing up, I I always thought to myself to be very important. Sometimes people wonder about, you know, that that, that Paul Cross, he's kind of full of himself. (laughs) He really, he thinks more highly of himself than he ought to think. But the Soviets thought pretty highly about me because everywhere I lived, there was one of the top five Soviet nuclear warheads pointed directly (laughs) at me. (laughs) It's true. It's true. They wanted to get rid of me. They wanted to keep you in line, They wanted to get rid of me. They wanted me taken care of. They they didn't want to be, there wouldn't be, you know, it was, you know, the fact that my dad worked for the strategic air command yeah. maybe had nothing to do with no. it but yeah that's just kind of here, here you know whatever but but let's get back to it's this. not conspiracy if it's true yeah uh, it's not paranoia well, if they're really it, coming it, after you in the bible it says this okay uh, uh in 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 job uh uh god is sort of taking uh Job to the woodshed saying, hey, you don't know uh, about all this natural stuff. I mean, and he talks about uh, a list of about 10 animals here uh, that uh, 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 at least eight of which are well known. Uh, And he kind of is uh, 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 questioning uh, Job on some of the more mysterious aspects of these known animals. As I said, in this period of interrogation, it takes place from Job chapter 38, verse 39, through Job chapter 41, verse 34. It says, we're introduced to uh, 10 beasts in this thing. The first eight are all animals which we are well familiar with. Uh, the lion, the crow, the mountain goat, the wild ass. Uh, I love saying it from the Revised Standard Version. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm still laughing at mountain goat. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... Uh, Pastor Lee refers to me as a incurably uh, uh, 13-year-old boy. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, uh, the crow, the mountain goat, the wild ass, the wild ox, there is your auric right there, mm-hmm. uh, the ostrich, the horse, the eagle. Uh, this series of these eight beasts is separated from the final two by a brief exchange between Job and the Lord. Job begins his repentance, and the Lord again answers him in the metaphor of the storm. Uh, following this, the two remaining beasts pop their heads out. Uh, number one is behemoth, and behemoth is described in Job chapter 40, verses 15 through 24. And then Leviathan, uh, and he is described in Job chapter uh, 41, verses 1 through 34. The question is, who are these two beasts? And this is just, you know, it's just there. You tell me what you think. Uh, uh, the first question is, are they mythical, uh, mythological beasts? Other instances of the word Leviathan are found in the Old Testament, uh, and they would indicate this sort of understanding of them being sort of a mythical beast. You can find it in Job 41, as I mentioned, but also in Isaiah 27, verse 1, Leviathan is mentioned there. And also Psalm 74, verse 14. Uh, so there you've got Leviathan, Leviathan and, and clearly uh, that's not an, uh, an, a mysterious word. People have talked about Leviathan for some time because, again, the unusual nature of it. The second one, <coughs> behemoth, on the other hand, again, uh, is uh, a hapax legomenon. Hapax legomenon. That means it occurs once in a given time. Uh, 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 body of literature. The term appears only once. So, uh, And one of the problems with Hebrew is this. Whereas uh, when we look at the New Testament part of the Bible, there are lots and lots and lots of examples of uh, Hellenistic literature 
of all stages, all times. And so we can figure out what a hapax legomenon might be predicated upon where it might be used in some other Greek literature. We're not so lucky when it comes to Hebrew literature. There's a very limited base of this sort of stuff. So when we find a hapax legomenon in Hebrew, it's more challenging. Um, while it's an off-made suggestion that the beasts are mythological, uh, two factors mitigate against this. And this is something you got to think about. Uh, because the easy thing, is, it's easy to, to put the easy button and say, they're just mythological beasts, that's all. And again, it's just easy to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, but here are the factors that myth mitigates against that. Uh, uh, first, the animals in the prior series, the first eight, are all well-known beasts, mm -hmm. extremely well-known. Second, there is a significant amount of factual detail in describing the beast and some discussion of how these given beasts relate, or should I say interrelate, with humans. So that would sort of indicate that maybe we're not talking about mythological beasts. Mm -hmm. The second option is this. Are they beasts that existed in the time of Job but no longer exist today? This is a popular notion for those who embrace the notion of humans and dinosaurs living as contemporaries. Uh, I don't want to... I don't go. I don't want to stand there. As I said, you could paint it in the corner pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, there are some curious things about that. Who's to know? I mean, as I said, uh, throughout cryptozoology. By the way, uh, for those of you who uh, uh, don't know this, thirteen-year-old uh, uh, boys love cryptozoology. It's all about <laughs> Sasquatch and the Loch Ness monster. Uh, I never read a book in my life up until the time I had to go to college. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> except about I could I read every book in the Henry David Thoreau Junior High School Library uh, where I went to uh, uh, on cryptozoology. I read them all, man. I love that stuff. Uh, but uh, you know uh, those people that love that sort of thing. Uh, uh, but are they that exist today? The arguments of, of both the behemoth fits well with what I would call an apatosaurus. Uh, it, it, if you read through it, it, it seems like a sauropod of some sort. Uh, the arguments of, uh, uh, you know, it does seem are some similar beasts. Nevertheless, uh, this argument is from silence. And again, having an argument from silence is a clever little thing, as I said, because no one can prove you wrong, but <laughs> you can't prove yourself right. Uh, and they're predicated upon a string of speculations and further speculations. The next one is, are they beasts living today? Uh, the two candidates that uh, reinforce this perspective are the hippopotamus, uh, typically spoken of. Uh, that's the general one it goes to. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, crocodile, and, uh, or the crocodile is the leviathan. Uh, this perspective regards the author to have a knowledge of the beasts of the Nile, uh, which is certainly not implausible considering how close they were to the Nile. Uh, while the parallels can be drawn between these uh, descriptions of the beasts proposed, not everything lines up. Uh, is there any evidence uh, where there were hippopotami in the Jordan? Not necessarily. Uh, can their tails be likened unto Caesar, Caesar's? Cedars? Nope. Uh, a far more problematic is around the Le uh, Leviathan, which is associated with a crocodile, and it just doesn't line up mm -hmm. uh, with what's being described there. Uh, so if you take a look at these things, if you read the text, you have to ask yourself, which of these three sort of things do these beasts best fit? Are they mythological beasts? Are they beasts that existed at the time of Job but no longer exist today? Or are they beasts that are actually living today? So what are they? I, 
I'm not asking you a question. I'm just saying, because if you, yeah. you know, I don't think anybody's got an answer. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, as I said, you take a look at them and, and people say, well, you know, the, it, it, uh, the, the behemoth as it's described certainly does fit the description of a pat, an apatosaur. And there are other cryptozoological discussions about, uh, <coughs> like, for example, there was one, I forget the name of it, uh, non-biblical uh, about uh, some apatosaur living in Central Africa or something like that during human times. I don't know. that. And, you know, one of my favorite things is that, uh, you know, uh, 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 the, the whole idea of dinosaurs living in, in, in Venezuela at the top of, what is it, uh, Devil's Plateau or Angel's Falls mm-hmm. or whatever that is, you know. I, that, that was the one that I loved growing up. So who knows? I'm, you know, it's a, but it is fascinating. Now, you take a look at Leviathan, as Leviathan is described in here. There's a whole different sort of fella right here. This guy looks more like a dragon, fire, more like a fire-breathing dragon even. So yeah. you, you wonder about this. What, what the heck is... Why would you describe it this way? What, what phenomena that you're looking at? Again, remember, mm-hmm. the other eight beasts all are described as we know them today. They're all described as having interaction with people. Mm-hmm. Well, what interaction would you have with a thing like that? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I just, I'm just saying I find that fascinating. And, you know, people pick on the Bible and say, well, you know, this is just more a- examples of the Bible's. No, no, no. It's not more examples of the Bible's myth and that sort of stuff. No, what it is an example of is that lots of people have questioned these sort of things. It's not just the people who put together the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots and lots of people have wondered about this stuff. It's just their extension of wondering about this stuff. Well, and and I don't know if you made this point, but when you talk about the age, the actual like dating of the different books of the Bible, yes, Job's the f- oldest. It is right? alleged to be the oldest. That is correct. Yep. And if it's the oldest, then it's closer to a zeitgeist or a, 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 a cultural consciousness of things that is far removed from us, even further than the the New Testament, especially, but oh, even sure. other parts of the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, we're talking we're talking way, 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 way back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. So it's if anybody wants to read the whole chapter, it's Job forty one. But it, the thing that I find interesting about the Leviathan is when you when you read it, it talks about out of his mouth go flaming torches. Yes, sparks of fire leap forth out of his nostrils comes out of his nostrils comes forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. It's a sea creature though. Yeah. So, you know, if anybody questions, Maybe. well, why didn't you? You know, why are there no bones? Why? Well, it was a sea creature. You well, know, let's talk about the no bones thing for a little bit, okay? You know, uh, the no bones issue is 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 a bit of a. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're aware of how hard it is to become a fossil. Uh, I mean, people accuse <laughs> people, people accuse. Paul, do you have experience or? <laughs> yes, indeed. working on it. I'm working on it, but uh, you know, uh, we we have a fossil record. But, I mean, like, take, for example, T-Rex, everybody's favorite fossil. By the way, there's one for sale right now. If you've got 6 to $8 million, you could, you could pick up a really nice specimen. And the room for it. And the room for it, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, it's only 90% complete, and it's supposed to be the most complete one. I mean, there is, you know, mm-hmm. you know I, I, I'm, I'm not – I love my brother. My brother and I have great conversations about 
paleontology in the Bible. Actually, it's funny. Any anytime my brother has a question about the Bible, he calls me. And anytime I have a question about paleontology, I call him. We don't talk much. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask. Is that a lot of phone calls or? <laughs> no, uh, my brother's great. We have we have we have great conversations about this because what happens is people get wrapped up around the axle and you get really upset with each other. But uh, you know, uh, my my favorite sort of statement on this has to come from Ecclesiastes chapter three. It says he has put God specifically. He has put eternity in man's mind. Even so, man is not able to find out what God has done from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of it right there, is that there is this sense of inquisitiveness, and we don't have all the answers. We just don't. And uh, uh, I, 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 when, I, when I hear this discussion, I think of, uh, of uh, well, this is how I like to say it. As a part of the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth. I believe that God created, that God created. Mm -hmm. We can have a great discussion about how Mm. God created. We can have a wonderful discussion about that. But I believe it's a matter of faith that God created the universe. And there's a lot that goes with that from a theological perspective. And I think even from, you know, as I said, a a cosmological perspective. Uh, But I believe that God created what means was used, well, let's find out about that. Let's look into that. Mm-hmm. And let's try not to paint ourselves into a corner. Let, let's try to figure out these sort of things. And, uh, you know, there's another one we didn't talk about much, and that has to do with the Nephilim and uh, all the craziness that goes on there. But uh, how, how are we on time? Are we doing okay? Yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah. We're, we're good, Especially huh? for the Nephilim. The, I, <laughs> I, oh, spell, I see how it is. <laughs> because, because I, special I, interest it depends, depends on the topic. Uh, yeah. I, it is. Well, so before I before I started working here, I worked for the city of Fargo for, yeah. for quite a few years, and a lot of that time was spent working overnights when you could listen to Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Holy cats, <laughs> man. Then, I thought I had odd, odd habits. Then you could listen to all sorts of different theories and and whatnot but then that was the first time that i started thinking about the nephilim because they had some crazy ideas of what the nephilim is well, but i'll i'll let you get into to uh let, let me let me get my notes here on the nephilim as i said somebody tell sarah tell some snarky jokes <laughs> so <laughs> let me share some of the some of the um ideas about the nephilim because here's one place where uh pastor cross uh luther comes off as more rational than the popular impressions about the Nephilim okay. in his Genesis commentary. It's probably the only place that he comes off as more rational. Go, go for it. <laughs> and, and the Nephilim is discussed in Genesis 6 Yes, for anybody who wants to check that so, out. So um, the popular understanding of the Nephilim during Luther's time was that uh, they are the giants and heroes of old, like, like Hercules and... Um, uh, uh, you know, Beowulf or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. so, some larger than life person who's like a demigod blessed because they are children's of angels and humans. Mm-hmm. Luther rejected that outright. He said, he said, that just doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me from what he understood about angels in reading scripture. Mm-hmm. Luther had, had this much grander, almost like saga, saga, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like the Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings about what happens 
to the or children. Or the video game that didn't make it after, you know, uh, Nintendo. It's, yes, Sega. Sega. <laughs> the Sega. Sega Genesis. Yes, Sega Genesis. Yeah. So Luther had this whole saga of kind of a, um, a competition between the sons of God mm-hmm. that go through the line of Adam through his son, his, his third son, Seth. Mm-hmm. And that generation after generation, these are the faithful ones who the promise of Christ is passed on to them. Because for Luther, the very first um, covenant is, is the Adamic covenant um, where God promises to Adam and Eve that one will come, you will have a son, and he will crush the serpent's head. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the promise of the son of man, the son of Adam. Um. What was happening is the the children of uh, this bloodline mm-hmm. were joining with the children of humanity that had rejected God's word and were descended from Cain and someone named Nimrod and, and you know all these people who had lost the promise of God's um, uh, Messiah coming to set the world right over time and. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as, as time goes on, what you have is then the Nephilim are those who are the children of the children of Adam who have the promise, who have a much longer lifespan and are much stronger and better. And uh, the children, uh, uh, the daughters of men, those who rejected the promise. Mm. And that from this joining come what are known as the Nephilim, uh, which are uh, unbelievers who are superhuman, okay, so to speak, mm-hmm. and that's that's the argument that that it's not that they came from angels; it's God's promised ones mm-hmm. and the and the promised line that's passed on generation to generation, and those who've lost the promise, and that interspersing, basically uh, serving that when those who believe in in God marry someone who doesn't, they're they're going to fall away. Mm-hmm. Well, I so. Get- I can tell you that I've I never once heard it explained like that on Coast to Coast AM. I imagine you did <laughs> it, not. Uh, there yeah. was there was a lot of alien abduction involved and and uh, okay. all sorts of conspiracy things. theories. Well, let's take a look at what it says. It says when man, that's Adam uh, or Adam, um, uh, began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the uh, sons of God, uh, uh, the sons of God, uh, saw that the daughters of man, Ha'adam, uh, uh, were attractive. Uh, and so they took as wives who they chose, any who they chose. This is why you don't want to go fiddling with the gender stuff in the Bible, because mm-hmm. you could confuse yourself terribly, particularly about this story. Uh, uh, then the Lord said, My spirit shall not rest uh, or abide in man forever, or Hadam in forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim, there they are right there. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, uh, and also afterwards when the sons of God came into the, came into the daughter's of man, there's some sexual stuff going on there, uh, and uh, those these were the mighty men who are old uh, men of renown. Like you were talking about this, a mm-hmm. couple things here. Uh, first of all, um, 
there is something very conspicuous here. It says, uh, his day shall be 120 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not so up to this point. I mean, we've got, mm-hmm. all uh, again, uh, another one of my favorites, the superannuated antediluvians floating around out there. <laughs> See, Sarah, the stuff you learn in here by accident. You know, I yep. mean, absolutely. Uh, the superannuated antediluvians, superannuated, very old uh, antediluvian before the flood. Um, not against the flood, uh, before the flood. Anti is an antebellum. Um, but uh, uh, before the flood. Uh, so you got this. Now, what's interesting is, is that you have people living that long period. Then, that's the first list of 10, okay, 10 generations. In the second list of 10 generations, over time, over the generations, the ages become more and more reflective of what people are in fact living. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, mortality rates are a little funny. Uh, you know, we talk about how mortality rates have gotten better and better. There's a reason why they've gotten better and better. is because our care for children and infants, those under five, uh, have gotten better and better. If you made it through five, you were pretty good, as mm-hmm. I said. You know, people will talk about the average mortality back in the olden times of 35. Well, that's because that's you're averaging out all the people that live a long time versus all the people who die within the first five years of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, go over to Itasca State Park here in Minnesota, and you'll see a cemetery there filled with all sorts of pioneer types, uh, and lots of them are under five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's it's tragic when, when, when a child dies. There's no two ways about it. But just in my memory, this is kind of, I mean, my parents' generation is the only time, it's kind of the first generation where people had the expectation of outliving your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no expectation of living longer than your parents. Matter of fact, the reason why people had a lot of kids is because they, you know, if they wanted to have some that survived, they needed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they died all very young. And so that's been the case for a, a, for a long time. Uh, so the idea of living 120 years is not outside the realm of possibility. So I, I don't think we're talking mythologically here in that regard. But there is some possibly some ideological perspective. You know, why is it that people live this long? That people would say, well, that's kind of what, what this is about. So there's that. And again, as uh, 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 Pastor DJ has commented, that, that there is the, the thing that this is, one group of, of godly people and one group of not-so-godly people, and the idea is that you should uh, stick with the people that are the godliest and so forth. Uh, but let's talk about this a little bit. Um, uh, is, this a, is this a great mystery or simply a story that turned into a great mystery? That's kind mm-hmm. of the, the big question. First, the first question is, who are the sons of God? There are a couple things here. It has been suggested on the one hand that they are uh, part of the heavenly court as listed in Job. Job talks about the heavenly court gathering together. It has been suggested that they were angels, but that's not likely because elsewhere in Scripture it says that uh, angels are neither married or given in marriage. Elsewhere we understand the implication that angels are asexual. They are not sexual beings at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some suggest that this is uh, uh, the idea of royal polygamy, uh, the uh, uh, adopting of harems among uh, common women. Um, uh, and again, the godly male of Seth has been the one that's been suggested quite a bit and so forth. But what's interesting is this, is that uh, in Hebrew, there's an idiom 
uh, the son of. Like, if I were to call DJ over here uh, a son of righteousness, it does not mean his father is named righteous. I happen to know that his father is not named righteousness. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Uh, and his mother's Dewey not named, means righteous. No, Dewey does not mean righteous. But, but I have, I've met the man. That's not his name. Uh, it, but it means that he's a righteous person. Uh, so that mm-hmm. son of, uh, so that's something that we need to keep in mind because we don't see that right away. This is a, this is a, a a linguistic sort of thing that we kind of miss sometimes when we're trying to read uh, North American English idioms into a Hebrew mindset. Doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So that's something. Uh, the daughters can be the same thing. Who are these daughters? Uh, is it the daughters of men? Just like a generic statement. Are these the Adamic race, uh, so forth, uh, uh, as contrasting it? Again, the question for uh, gender neutrality, the NRSV omits this and kind of messes things up a little bit, so that's why I'm not a big fan of the NRSV. Sorry, NRSV fans out there. Um, uh, I like the RSV. It's a fine book. Uh, but um, uh, the point of the matter is this, is that they were attractive, all right, that's the bottom line, is these, uh, these gals were attractive and some sort of sexual, uh, something that was sexually forbidden or some w- took place. We don't know exactly what. Uh, now compare this with the attractiveness with the fruit in Genesis 3.6. Mm-hmm. Now the next question is, who are the Nephilim? Uh, now uh, this is kind of a, f- a fascinating sort of thing. The possibilities are, are interesting because it's been suggested that they, uh, oh my, there's all, again your 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 evening radio stations and so forth. Uh, the sons of God, as mentioned above, uh, uh, offspring of the union, perhaps of uh, of the offspring above. Uh, all all kinds of uh, now. What's interesting is the is the etymology of the word. Uh, it means fallen. Um, as in, but what does that mean? Uh, is it like fallen ones, people who fell down from heaven? Uh, fallen as someone who's morally fallen? Uh, fallen as uh, to fall upon somebody like an invader or a bandit or a marauder? Uh, uh, or those who fell by the sword? Uh, uh, they seem to be unnaturally begotten. But the crazy thing is, is that they're also mentioned in Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> which would be kind of problematic. If everything's wiped out in Genesis 6, mm-hmm. uh, how could they be in the early part of Genesis 6 and then in Numbers? I think what it might mean is, is a descriptive term for how people act. I think that's probably a more accurate understanding that this is the... the, the, the uh, I'm, I'm kind of going with the marauders. These are bad dudes, man. Mm-hmm. These these folks are bad to the bone. So on this, it sounds like you're more in line with Luther than what was the the even to this day uh, among historical critical people thinking that it's it's angels or some kind yeah, of yeah. I'm, well, I'm you're not going to find me among yeah, historical I know. critical <laughs> people. I, you just, I'm not there, man, DJ. I guess it's, it's neither historical or critical. Uh, it's, it's mis- if, if, if ever there were a thing misnamed, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm fond of saying is that fine, you know, this is historical critical. Show me Q. I'd like to see the document. Sure. Furthermore, show me somebody who is contemporary to that that talked about a document Q or J or E or right. D or P. Show me these people. I want right. to see them. I want to talk to them because they would certainly be there. It is neither historical nor critical. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, but uh, be that as it may, 
Uh, they're not here to defend themselves. Uh, yeah. What it is, this is a s- story of progression. It's the progression of evil, and that's really what it's about. Yeah. Uh, going from individual evil to corporate evil. You know, we're talking about corporate evil and systemic evil today in, in today's society. And there's this sort of uh, sort of s- concentric circles moving outward. Um, talk about God's limitation of humanity. Uh, at one point, God says, here, the keys don't wreck it. Well, guess what they did? You know, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's like God giving the keys to his his. his his 14-year-old son who just got his driver's license, you know, for, so he could drive on the farm to his, uh, uh, to, uh, his 2020 uh, uh, Ford GT Mustang Shelby 500. Right. You know, here the keys don't wreck it. Well, you know what's going to happen. I mean, as I said, yeah. that, that's not happening. As I said, that, that's, you know, um, we can get in a discussion about sin there. Well, uh, and before you go on, one other thing that I really like about your explanation of Nephilim is, is being like marauders is that it speaks about the mighty men. Wasn't that David's band that oh, yeah. traveled with him? You could have called him a, like a rock band, David and the Mighty Man. <laughs> and the Mighty Man. Um, but yeah, that's certainly the case. And this is, <coughs> uh, no, notice here that human life is defined by the Spirit of God abiding in them. That's kind of fascinating because mm-hmm. that's also a connection to the creation account. And then the, the limitation of that. In any case, it's a story which is a prelude to judgment. I mean, that's really what mm-hmm. it is. It's a prelude to judgment. But one last little thing about the Nephilim, and then I'll, you know, uh, uh, this is kind of fascinating. You like mythology sort of stuff. Uh, while the etymology is doubtlessly not the same, it is curious that phonetically the word Nephilim and Nephilim, the house of mists, the far northern region of the icy fogs and mists of darkness of the cold, and the lowest level of the universe is a part of the Norse mythology. Mm, so are these people, again, there is no connection. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, as I said, it's just one of those accidents of linguistics, but it is kind of a curious accident of yeah. linguistics. So anyway, totally. yeah. Well, so so cool. there's your Nephilim talk. That's it's all interesting. It's all good stuff, and it's all stuff that is fun to think about and and wonder about. No aliens. Uh, no aliens. Uh, strangely enough, I'm not a pansperma guy. Is, who, who's that? <laughs> pansperma. I don't know who that is. Pansperma is the idea that uh, that well, sperm from seed, you know, sperm going through that throughout the universe, there has been this this sense of. There was this super race that set, oh, yeah. set their seed oh. throughout the world. The Anunnaki. Uh, if that's if you say you clean it up, man. <laughs> uh, but but uh, they're, 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 the 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 Pan means wild. What was so what, wild? That was the whole thing about well, the Stargate, was it? Yeah, the Stargate kind of mm-hmm. thing. All that Stargate science yep. fiction. See, you know, I watched Stargate, but I wasn't a fan of it. You know, mm-hmm. as I said, Star Wars, yes, uh, uh, Star Trek, absolutely, but Stargate, no, nah, I'm not going there. I'm sorry, not going there. The goal. Go, I can't even remember who they were yet. Oh, they just had stuff on their heads. That's all I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, I appreciate uh, Sarah, Sarah with no H, bringing yes. this up. It Good has question. been a great conversation. You know, Sarah with no H, God bless you. Uh, let me just say this. You know, this is nice to speculate about, but the fact of the matter is, is it's, uh, uh, I, I worry that people get all wrapped up in this and not talking about the, the, the finer points of things. I do think there's a place to discuss it. Uh, I, I think that uh, uh, the, the, the further flung we get from the center of it, uh, the, the less edifying it is. Mm. Uh, I'm all about edifying the church. I'm all about edifying people and building their spiritual understanding, their faith in mm-hmm. Christ. And um, I guess what I would say is this, if to, to that end, 
I would say that I think it's important for us not to paint ourselves in a corner because and to pit science against faith right because that's what happens is that we'll 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 draw a line in the sand and say this is kind of where it is and so therefore it's sort of like put your arm in a chicken wing okay exactly i've got right. both metaphors in there so <laughs> they're both there put our arm in t- and make you cry uncle uh-huh. uh, uh and i i don't think that's what we should be doing here i should we uh uh, again, going back to the Ecclesiastes quote, God's put eternity in our minds. God's given us, God's given us a brain. I've, I've said this time and time again at, uh, uh, at our church. Uh, don't check your brain at the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, be inquisitive. Uh, find out about this stuff. But I love it. So yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think, um, yeah, I mean, if you're putting your faith in uh, the idea of, understanding exactly what Leviathan is or Nephilim is, or if you're putting your faith in the idea that the world has to be created in six literal 24-hour days, mm-hmm. you're putting your faith in the wrong thing. And I think on the other side, Darwinian evolution as the end-all, be-all understanding of everything, whether you believe, uh, you, I can't even say it without using the word, mm-hmm. they will, uh, if that is your worldview, Mm-hmm. you are also confessing that you believe it. Right. And if you have to believe it, you're putting your faith in something mm-hmm. that may not be as clear as what you can see with your eyes. I don't need to believe that this is here. I can touch it. I can I can see it. Mm-hmm. But it comes down to where where is your faith resting? If you're resting in things in the Bible without being able to honestly say, I don't know, and speculate about it, but I trust and believe in the one who is um, the main point of what's being, like, for example, I, I believe that God created. I don't need to believe in a six literal day creation. My mm-hmm. faith doesn't rest on that. Yeah, I can honestly say, though, it says in the Bible, so I believe it, but my faith doesn't rest on that. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's what I hear you saying, Pastor. I think that's something along those lines. As I said, uh, <clears throat> wasn't there. Uh, yeah. The mechanics of it, uh, we can talk about mm-hmm. and have a great discussion. But uh, again, that's not the issue. The issue of faith is, I believe that God created because that's what the that's what scriptures repeatedly. That's tell the main us point. Over and over, yeah. it's not just in Genesis. It's throughout Scripture yeah. that we see the idea that God has created this world. And the the crazy thing about God is this. He has handed us the keys. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he would do something like that. I, you know, <laughs> as I said, that, there, there's the marvel. It's a crazy God, God we have. God has handed us the keys and said, don't wreck this thing. Mm-hmm. He said, here this is. This is. I've created this for you to enjoy. Yeah. I've created this for you to, for, to be a blessing for you and bless others with. And I think that's something that that we lose sight of too. And yeah. these other things are fun to talk about. I mean, I, I like, but again, I, uh, as I said, they're, they're, most of it stems seriously from the interest of a junior high boy going through the library at Henry David Thoreau Junior High School in Vienna, Virginia, my hometown, mm-hmm. uh, and reading all the books on cryptozoology. And uh, and see, here's the thing. I'm much more interested in mammalian megafauna, like titantotheres and people like that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that smilodonts, than I am dinosaurs. I like stuff like that a whole lot better. <laughs> 
I just do, as I said. Go to the La Brea Tar Pits, man, in, in Los Angeles. Now, there's a cool place. Go to uh, uh, go to the – it's going to kill me to say this. I, I, actually, I'm not going to say that because Sarah's here. <laughs> I was going to throw South Dakota some props here. Just step they, back now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there's some really cool uh, – uh, ma- ma- mammal megafauna sites in in South Dakota, the Badlands and in uh, uh, Mammoth yeah. Hot Springs. There, there's some really cool stuff there. So, yeah. cool, yeah. it's pretty amazing creation mm-hmm. our our Heavenly Father has made, yes, and it, is. W- it wants us to explore it and yes. wants us to delight in it. Yes, um, and have a pet Titanotheer. <laughs> <laughs> of course. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we're a little over our normal time, so um, well, imagine that with me here. Well, that's good. It's it's, but it flew by though. Mm-hmm. It was fast. I love when Pastor Cross comes because one podcast can easily become two yeah. podcasts. Yes. Yeah, if cut in just the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, that th- that'll that'll wrap it up. Um, it, uh, Sarah, would you mind uh, praying why us out? Why not have our guests pray us out? Well, I could do that. Okay, I could do that. Thank you, Sarah. God bless you, Lord. You're good to us in so many ways. Um, God bless you because we want to praise your name. Bless the name of the Lord. Uh, bless your word for uh, revealing the light and the truth to us. Uh, bless your holy prophets and patriarchs uh, that have given us your word. Uh, bless your servant Moses who recorded so many things uh, for our edification. Bless your holy apostles, Lord, that have uh, pointed the way to Christ, and bless your evangelists that have given us the word of Christ. Uh, now, Lord, uh, let us be open every day to hear the word of God speak to us, each each person, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Uh, bless the name of the Lord, for we ask it in the precious and strong name of Jesus, and we're bold to say, Amen. 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 Thank you all for joining us. Remember, if you are looking for a church service, uh, we are on the YouTube and atonement.live at 9 o'clock and 1030 every Sunday morning, and we will be broadcasting until Jesus comes back. And uh, so you can find us there by searching Atonement Fargo. So for Sarah DeYoung, Pastor DJ Lura, and Pastor Paul Cross, I'm Ryan Janke. And join us again next week for another riveting episode of that podcast.